0: Hello everyone, welcome back to our journey through the book of Leviticus. Today is Leviticus 19. Such an honor for me to be your tour guide as we go through what I hope is becoming a very interesting book of the Bible. I've been hearing from some of you who said I never actually have stopped and read this and I see now why it is so very important. And I, just, I have to tell you, as your pastor, that encourages my heart to realize that you're going through this and you're seeing that God's word, all of it, Even the part we sometimes have a hard time understanding is valid and important. And yes, even though we live as New Testament believers, how do we know what sin is? How do we know what God requires of us? How how do we know? We know it by knowing the Old Testament, even though our sins are now washed away by the blood of Jesus, past, present and future sins, man, they're all gone. We still can choose the level of freedom we walk in by abiding to God's way of doing things. And that's exactly what God has been doing. He went through the first several chapters talking about how to always find our way back to Him, and then He talked about dedicating the temple or tabernacle and what that looked like, and then going through, you know, if you get sick, this is what you do, and now God is moving into the more practical things of just how to live in community with one another, and that's what we're going to see more of today in chapter 19 is more ways to stay in harmony with one another. We're all different, but we all need to treat people with honesty and respect and with justice, And so here's the question I want to ask you today, and that is, why do you think God would go through the trouble of being so very specific on how we talk with one another, how we interact with one another? Why do you think God would be so very specific? Because wouldn't you think that, man, we're all in the freedom community, so we're all just going to naturally do the right thing. Do you think that's true, or do you think maybe something else is true? So why would God go through the trouble of being so very specific on how we deal with our neighbor. Let's read this together and then maybe stop along the way. But at the end of it, we'll bring it back together, maybe answer that question. Here we go. Leviticus 19, starting at verse one. Then the Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the entire community of Israel. You must be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Verse three, each of you must show great respect for your mother and your father. You must always observe my Sabbath days of rest. I am the Lord, your God. Do not put your trust in idols or make metal images of gods for yourselves. I am the Lord, your God. Verse 5, when you sacrifice peace offerings to the Lord, offer it properly so you will be accepted by God. The sacrifice must be eaten on the same day you offer it or on the next day. Whatever is left over until the third day must be completely burned up. If any of the sacrifices is eaten on the third day, it will be contaminated and I will not accept it. Anyone who eats it on the third day will be punished for defiling what is holy to the Lord and will be cut off from the community. Verse 9. When you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your fields and do not pick up what the harvesters drop. It is the same with you with your grape crop. Do not strip every last bunch of grapes from the vines and do not pick up the grapes that fall to the ground. Leave them for the poor and the foreigners living among me. I am the Lord your God. Pause. It's not an amazing thing that God says. God says that when you have some left over, leave it for somebody else. Don't try to scalp the field for as much as you possibly can, but as you're going, if you drop some, leave it for the person coming behind you. Because it's amazing that if you had someone in the area, and you actually can read this in the book of Ruth, this is exactly what helped sustain Ruth and Naomi when they lost everything. Ruth and Naomi were two ladies who had lost their husbands. They'd lost everything they had. And they came to the land of Israel. And they were just basically bottom of the totem pole, man. They had they had nothing. And so what Ruth would do is she would go out to the fields and she would then glean around the edges and what they had dropped. And that was how she was able to sustain herself. So God is saying right here, don't, don't be stingy if you have something you have left over, you whatever, I'm giving you left over so that you can share with those who don't have. Such a powerful thing. So here we go. Verse 11. Do not steal. Do not deceive or cheat one another. Do not bring shame on the name of the Lord your God by using it to swear falsely. I am the Lord. Do not defraud or rob your neighbor. Do not make your hired workers wait until the next day to receive their pay. Do not insult the deaf or cause the blind to stumble. You must fear your God I am the Lord. Verse 15. Do not twist justice in legal matters by favoring the poor or being partial to the rich and powerful. Always judge people fairly. Do not spread slanderous gossip among your people. Do not stand idly by when your neighbor's life is threatened. I am the Lord. Do not nurse hatred in your heart for any of your relatives. Comfort or confront people directly so you will not be held guilty for their sin. Do not seek revenge or bear grudges against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. You must obey all my decrees. Do not mate two different kinds of animals. Do not plant your field with two different kinds of seed. Do not wear uh, clothing woven from two different kinds of thread. Now, pause for a moment because that's one that gives a whole lot of pause for people. I've I've had atheists come and tell me, well, if you're really going to obey God, then why are you wearing that shirt that has two different kinds of threads in it? This right here was given to the Israelites as a way to differentiate themselves from the paganistic cultures of other cultures in the area. So when he says don't make two different kinds of animals sometimes they would do that possibly because those different kinds of animals would be number one as a perversion against what God had created and number two used in animal sacrifices maybe from the other ones. Don't plant your fields with two different kinds of seed also for the same reason because you end up having a weird kind of harvest but then don't wear clothing Woven from two different kinds of thread. One of the reasons why they think this was was because number one is it wasn't a great way to keep the thread, keep the keep the clothes right. But number two, they also think that it very possibly had to do with the cultures in the area that would do things as a way to identify with other paganistic cultures. And God is saying, you're supposed to be separate from all of that. You're supposed to look like my followers, not somebody else's. Verse 20. If a man has sex with a slave girl whose freedom has never been purchased, but who is committed to become another man's wife he must pay full compensation to her master but since she is not a free woman neither the man nor the woman will be put to death the man however must bring a ram as a guilt offering and present it to the Lord at the entrance of the tabernacle the priest will then purify him before the Lord with the ram and the guilt offering and the man's sin will be forgiven pause there's another one that talks about God actually bringing dignity to a slave girl you know in some of the cultures at the time There was no dignity there. And so if someone was a slave, they could just do whatever they wanted to. And there was no repercussions for that. God is saying, hey, hey, guy, if you have sex with her, you got to make it right. You can't just do that because she is a slave. No, no, no. He brought dignity to this lady, even if she's in this place, you'd rather not be. That's absolutely amazing. Verse 23, it says, when you enter the land and plant fruit trees, leave the fruit unharvested for the first three years and consider it forbidden. Do not eat it. In the fourth year, the entire crop must be consecrated to the Lord as a celebration of praise. Finally, in the fifth year, you may eat the fruit. If you follow this pattern, your harvest will increase. I have the Lord, your God. Let's pause once again. They're going into an area. They don't know the area. They don't know what's going on. God is saying when you do this and you reinvest back into the soil, it's going to continue to pay you back. And so God is just teaching them how to be good. We used to call this phrase husbandry how to take care of the things that's yours so that it will continue to produce for you. All right, let's finish this up. Verse 26 through 37 is going to talk more about some of these practicals. Number 26, do not eat meat that has not been drained of its blood. Do not participate in fortune-telling or witchcraft. Do not trim uh, off the hair of the temples of your, or trim your beards. Do not cut your bodies for the dead. Do not mark your skin with tattoos. I am the Lord. Do not defile your daughter by making her a prostitute or the land will be filled with prostitution and wickedness. Okay, I'm sorry. Pause one more time because there's another one. It says, Don't trim the hair off of your beard uh, on, on the template areas. Once again, this was a culture of the time. And what this was doing is, is this was saying, if you trim all of this off, you're gonna look like the paganistic nations. And so I want you to be separate. So God is not so today in our culture, we don't have to not, you know, trim off that area in order to be godly. What God is saying is be separate, be, be different. You should look different than the world. That's the point he's trying to make. All right, here we go. Verse 30, keep the Sabbath days of rest and show reverence toward my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Do not defile yourselves by turning to mediums or to those who consult with spirits of the dead. I am the Lord, your God. Stand up in the presence of the elderly and show respect for the aged. Fear the Lord, your God. Fear your God, I am the Lord. Isn't that amazing? By the way, pause. Like You know when people stand up, when elderly people walk in? you know where that came from? came from the Bible. Verse 33. Do not take advantage of foreigners who live among you in the land. Treat them like native-born Israelites and love them as you love yourself. Remember that you once were foreigners living in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. 35. Do not use dishonest standards when measuring length, width, or volume. Your scales and your weights must be accurate. Your containers for measuring dry materials or liquids must be accurate. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. You must be careful to keep all of my decrees and regulations, putting them into practice. I am the Lord, your God. So here, once again, is the thing. Why? Why would God go through all that trouble? Here's the answer, and that is number one. He wants his free people to stay free and also how they treat one another. Just because you're free doesn't then give you the right to go and take away the freedom of another or to cheat someone else. But there is a social contract that we all live by. This is one of the things we have to deal in our culture today when we have Christians who say, well, I can do this, and it doesn't matter if it affects you negatively because I'm free. Well, that's a very selfish way of looking at things. You're not free so that you can take away the freedom of others. You're free so that you can be free, but then you can also live in cooperation with the other people around you. Now, there's a balance there. You don't want to put yourself into bondage so that other people can be free, but there's definitely a balance there of showing respect, showing honesty, And then also realizing that other people are where we once were. And so we want to always give honor, respect, and dignity to others. And I love the idea where God is saying, be honest, be good, do the right things. And I even love that last part where he says, don't take advantage of other people who are foreigners in your land. Treat them well because you were once that way. And so we look at other people and go, if not for the grace of God, that's where I would be. So I'm going to treat them with the kind of respect that I want to be treated with. That's a wonderful way to live, and you get that in the book of Leviticus. I hope you enjoyed it. I look forward to seeing you next time for Leviticus chapter 20.